Well, good morning, Foothill. Good to see you all here. I'm Pastor Chris, and it's uh, good to have you here on a beautiful morning. And let's grab our Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 2. And while you're turning there, uh, I know we have a lot of children in this room, our K through 5. And uh, kids, I want you to stand up. Just go ahead and stand up if you're a K through 5. Uh, let me see where you are. In fact, stand on your seat. I give you permission today, with your mom and dad's help, to actually go ahead and stand on the seat um, as long as they're supporting you and you don't break your collarbone. So uh, happy to have you do that. Well, kids, welcome to Big Church. Let's say welcome to them. We are really, really glad that you're in here. We're excited to have you. You can go ahead and be seated. And, and uh, mom and dad, let me just say something to all of you and to all of us adults. We recognize your kids are here. Okay, we know that, and so today's going to be a little more squirrely than normal, and we might hear some noises we don't normally hear, but that's all good, okay? And nobody's going to judge your parenting based on the next 30 minutes. Um, and uh, and so, so we just want you to kind of relax. I'm not asking you not to parent, but I am, I am saying it's okay, and we know they're in here, and it's really great. And kids, let me just say to you as your pastor, I'm, I'm delighted to have you in here. You, you bring to us a freshness. You are part of the church. I hope you understand this. This is not you're waiting to become part of the church. You are right now. And uh, so what we're doing, mom and dads and others, is four times a year we're going to do these family services where we ask the, all the kids, K through 5, to come in here. Because we think this whole idea of you discipling your children is vital to the life of your children. And now some of you have done this for years and years, but some of you, this is kind of new, and I don't know how this is going to work out. Let me just say this. There's something really wonderful spiritually for your children to be sitting right next to you, to see you worship, to see you take communion, to, to, to come home and say, why did we do that, Mom and Dad? What was this about? And for you to be able to explain those things and get into those kind of spiritual conversations. You understand that, that the primary responsibility for the discipleship of your child doesn't rest on the church. It rests on you. And, and we simply come alongside you and say, let's, let's do this together, okay? Let's, let's make this happen. And we want to be a resource to you, but we are not the ones who, in the end, disciple your children. Because if it's only us, I promise you right now, as we'll talk about today, it'll never stick. It will never stick. And so uh, we, we want to see, see what God wants to do in the life of you and your child. We want that to be something that they walk with forever, and it's because you have taken the responsibility very seriously. So we're just delighted to have them in here and, uh, and for this to be part of sort of the, the spiritual rhythm that we get into uh, with families at Foothill Church, okay? Now, so it's good they're in here, but, and, and it just so happens that on this day, we're going to talk about the issue of family. And if, if you are a mom and dad, you're a child, it's going to be great for you. And listen, if you're a single person, you say, I don't have any kids, this is still great for you. I promise you, there's going to be things in here that as you listen, you're going to learn either about your future family, or you're going to learn some things for you right here today uh, that you need to know, okay? And so let's talk about family. Before we talk about family and we look at parents, we look at children, I want to I at least put before you, lay out in front of you the way that Proverbs does, the benefits of wisdom. Why in the world would anybody want to walk in the way of what the Bible calls wisdom? Why would you want to do this? If you're standing at a crossroads and you can go your way, as it were, or you can go the way of wisdom, why would you want to do that? 
Well, Proverbs chapter 2 is just one place we can look. And I wanted to, I'm not going to comment a whole lot on this. I just want us to read this chunk of Scripture together. Start in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says this. And by the way, you can download an app that you can get on your phone. It's a, it's a great thing to have. I use it all the time. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the evil, uh, from, from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of brightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. See, there's two choices. And parents, I think you could read this and say, man, this is what I want. I want, I want sort of this path, not that path for my kids. Kids, I, I hope you'll listen and say, this is what I want for my life. I, I want to lead a life of wisdom. Now listen, the Bible's going to say very plainly that, that wisdom is stored up in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 10 says that wisdom will come into your hearts. Let's take wisdom and put the, name, put the name Jesus there. Jesus will come into the center of your existence and begin to produce things out of you that you can only dream of. New desires, new hopes, guarding your way, keeping you on the path, helping you. Understand, you don't become wise in order to get Jesus. We don't perform our way into trying to get Jesus to like us. Jesus comes and he brings with him by faith all the benefits of wisdom and says, you can have all of this if you'll have me because wisdom comes into your heart and knowledge and discretion start to guide you. So Christ becomes this root, and that root sort of sucks all the nutrients, right? And then it begins to produce the fruit of wisdom. Wisdom's fruit. It's not, not, not the other way around. So, so it begins to transform all your life. And that's what we said. If you have wisdom, then it transforms your finances. It transforms your emotions. It, it transforms your pride, humility. All these kind of things begin to happen to you. And, and one of the things that will transform is family. Like, you understand, wisdom can actually be something that transforms your home. Kids, it can transform your life. Mom and dad, it will transform your life. Everyone in here, wisdom will transform your life. So I want us to just look at, again, two things. I want us to look at the wise child, and I want us to look at the wise parent. And we'll start with the wise child, okay? Now, uh, what I want you to understand, kids, as we talk about the wise child, is that wisdom is not something that you get just because you get old and, you know, you've had a lot of experience underneath your belt. Yes, that's true. 
There is wisdom that can come with age. The Bible says that, but the Bible doesn't reserve it and say there's no wisdom for you until you reach a certain age. You can know wisdom right now. In fact, if you turn back, just go back one page to chapter 1 of Proverbs, verse 4, it says this, one of the reasons for the book of Proverbs, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. This is, this is amazing. I, I, I can say that God wrote a book in Scripture for you, young people. God means for you to read. Parents, God means for you to help your kids read the book of Proverbs to understand what a wise child looks like. Now, what does a wise child look like? Well, let me, let me show you several verses, and then, uh, and then let's, let's see if we see the commonality here. Look at, look at chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Can you put the first one up there? Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Okay, let's go to the next one. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do the next one. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The next one. Listen to your father who gave you life. Do not despise your mother when she's old. Buy truth. Do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. We'll look at that verse again in a little bit. But here, now... Do you hear the commonality? What is a wise child look like? I think we can say it this way. At, at bottom, I'm just going to give you one principle for kids and one principle for parents. But, but a wise child is one who listens to her, to listens to, who, to, to his parents. That, that if I could tell you what is, if I could distill Proverbs down and say, what is, a, what is Proverbs, what does God want for children? How can they be wise? It's that they listen to, they heed, they're attentive, they, 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 uh, they hear their parents' instruction. They incline their ears. All these, all these words that are meant to say that, that kids, the sign that the Spirit of Christ dwells in you is that you listen to mom and dad. You pay attention to what they say. You have a heart that is inclined to, to hear. You value the advice that they give you. All those kind of things. And parents, I'm, I'm going to talk to parents here in a moment. So, so just wait, because I'm not saying any advice you give or whatever you do is right. I'm saying, but kids, this is your responsibility. Here's where, here's where you're going to be on the hook, right? Your parents have a lot of experience. Your parents, if they are Christians, then the Spirit of God dwells in them. And so by grace, they are helping you to grow in that. And you're supposed to listen and to follow their example. And when they tell you what to do, right? When mom and dad say, I'm teaching you to, you know, I want you to make your bed or brush your teeth or I want you to do these things or I want you to come to church, all these things so many times right, our, our, our nature says, I don't want to do what mom and dad tell me to do. I just don't want to do it. This is all of us. And we think that if I do it, it's going to rob me of my joy. And hear me, what your parents are doing is trying to lead you into deeper pools of greater joy because they know they've been where they've not heeded instruction. They've not done things that the Bible would ask them to do. And because of that, they know the pain that it's caused. They don't want that for you. A wise child listens. Now, what does it mean? What do you, what, what do you mean by listen? Well, um, it doesn't just mean that your eardrums flap and you can say there's this auditory signal that came and sort of registered with my brain that there's a voice out there saying something to me. That's not the idea. The idea is what Paul says. Paul has one command for children. Children, obey your parents. That's it. 
So to listen is to obey. It's to respond to mom and dad. So what you're learning, hear me kids and hear me parents, what you are learning is to submit to Jesus Christ. And there is no more important lesson in your life than learning to submit to Jesus. There's just not one. There is no financial advice. There is no career advice. There's nothing. The most important advice you'll ever get is how you learn to submit to Jesus Christ. And listen, what you do in the home has, has ramifications, moves out into all of life. Your home, some of us think that home isn't real life. <laughs> no, home is real life just like real life is real life. Right? That, that is that your home is the proving ground for all kinds of things. Your home is a proving ground for your job. Your home is a proving ground for future relationships. Your, your home is a, is, a, is, a, is a proving ground for marriage. Your home is a proving ground for all of life. And so many young people, as you grow up, what you begin to think is something like, you know what, when I have my own home or when I get out or when I get married or whenever, then I'm going to become responsible. No, you will not. You will be irresponsible. Then you will discover the pain of being irresponsible. And it won't be because you moved out of your home. You're going to learn the hard way. And what wisdom is trying to do is saying, look, there's a better path. There's a path of obedience right now. There's a path of listening and heeding instruction right now. And you can save yourself years of heartache by learning to submit even now. This is real life. Kids, God is looking and simply saying, young people, this is any of us. This doesn't just apply to kids. God is looking for hearts that are willing to listen. Now listen, we live in a generation that says everybody's got an opinion and every opinion matters. Proverbs would say to young people, right now, your opinion doesn't matter. Close your mouth and open your ears and listen. You have a lot to learn. A lot. And your mom and dad want to help you get there, okay? Now, so what happens? So what? So what if I don't listen? Who cares? Probably not that big a deal. Let me show you some verses and let me show you why you should care. Proverbs chapter 5. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Look at the next one. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. The next one. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. And how about this one? The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. There you go, kids. <laughs> None of us want that, right? A bird attacking your eye and putting Okay, so it's an image. It's an image saying, look, you know, what? You know why? You know why that happens? What's it saying? It, this, is, this is saying your eyes betray what's happening inside of you. This is the kid who says, well, I'm standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. There's something, there's an incongruity between my behavior and my heart. And the Bible says if your heart's in the wrong place, then you're headed towards destruction. I mean, birds eating, all this, that's death, right? That's, that's terrible things have happened to get you to this place. And doesn't want this for you. And the, the Bible Jesus wants you to be on the path of life. Your parents are going to mess up. They're going to they're not always give you the best advice. I certainly know that's been true with my kids. And that's my problem. That's between me and Jesus in that sense. But you will stand before Jesus someday too and give an account and just say, hey, 
No matter, did you listen? Did you obey? Or just say no? Okay, that's, that's a wise child. A wise child listens to his or her parents. Well, how about you, mom and dad? Let, let's talk. We'll take the rest of the time to talk about you. Wise parents. What do wise parents do? What do they look like? Well, here, let, let's do it this way. If I were to show you all those verses that I showed you for kids... And say, just, just go back and look at, for example, chapter 1, verse 8. Hear my son, your father's instruction, forsake not your mother's teaching. So we said for children means you listen. But what's the implication for adults? That you are instructing them, that you're actually teaching them. That they are, they are, they are going to be kids that you, you instruct, you teach in the way of, of wisdom. So what's the lesson for parents? Wise parents train their children in wisdom. Let's say it another way. Wise ch- parents lead their children toward Jesus, not away from Jesus. This becomes the aim of your life as parents. The aim of your life is not them becoming Olympians. The aim of your life, that's fine if they do. The aim of your life is not valedictorian. The aim of your life is to teach them wisdom, to help them know Jesus. Now, I say that and some of you think, there's no way. I can't do that for my kids. I don't know how. I'm not a very good teacher of those spiritual things. Let me say this. I say this without a qualification if you are a parent or you're going to be a parent at some point in your life, you are the greatest teacher your children will ever have. I promise you. There is no professor, there's no teacher, there's no pastor that will teach them more than you. I say that without qualification. The issue is not can you teach your kids The issue is, what are you teaching your kids? The issue is never, will your kids follow you? The issue is always, where are you leading them? I promise you. Like, this is why you don't even have to try, and your kids will follow you. You can do nothing, and your kids will do nothing, right along with you. Isn't that amazing? this 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 is why most kids end up almost voting like their parents, this is why they think, this is why they share the values. You understand that every single day, every moment of every day you're teaching, you are going to teach your kids today what's valuable. You're going to teach your kids what they should pursue. You're going to teach your kids and show them financial priorities. You're going to show them all kinds. You're going to teach them about God. You're going to show them, hey kids, this is how you respond when you don't get your way. This is how you respond when there's conflict. You are doing it whether you say, hey kids, pay attention. They just are, Right? They are sponges. This is what they do. This is why God set up and wired us. So that life on life, this is why we grow up as adults and suddenly something comes out of my mouth like, that was just like my dad. That's weird, freaky, right? What just happened? I can't help it. It's, it's, it's the way God has wired us to just be like this and says, I, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going I'm to make you absolutely incredible teachers. But, but parents, here's what I want you to hear. All that, like I said, you can try or not try. It's still going to happen. 
But there's ways you can try. There, there's, there's, there's sort of passive learning that they just pick up, and this is, probably, this is probably the greatest discipleship they'll ever get. But there's also the active teaching. There's this, I actually have to take seriously the instruction of my children. I want to think about things that I must help them understand because I'm the leader. Hear me, parents. I'm the leader. Parents, you're the leaders in your home. Your kids are not the leaders. Are we clear about this? I'm not sure many of you believe this. Your kids are not the leaders. They must not be. If you allow your children to leave, they will unwittingly, they will go where they want to go. Right into destruction. No, no, no parent goes, you know, on the one hand, we, we, we allow our kids. On the other hand, we don't. No, no parent. You, you, you would be thrown in jail if you just let your kid run out in the street. But this is how, how some of us parent. I, I, I just, I, I don't want to hold them back. I, I don't want to put too many hard edges around them. And so your kid determines your weekend. Your kid determines what church you go to or don't go to. In fact, your kid determines whether you even go to church. It's your kid, right? They don't like church, they don't have to go. Uh, this is amazing to me, by the way. I was talking to the board about this yesterday. It's an amazing phenomenon that I, any good parent in this room, if your child woke up tomorrow morning and school starts this week and says, you know what? <sighs> Mom, I just don't like math. I don't want to go. There's not a parent here would say, they would go, you'd say something like this, I didn't ask you. I'm not asking you for, for your permission. You're going to school, right? But how many kids determine and say to their parents, I don't want to go to church. <sighs> Pastor, I can't get them to go to church. Are you serious? Like they have that kind of sway in your home? They can look you, they can roll over in their bed and say, no, would you let them do that on Monday morning? And hear me, parents. Like, yeah, but, but, but I don't know. It's just, you know, they, they think it's boring. So is math. Sorry to you math people. So, so, is, so is science. I mean, so is whatever. Pick your subject. There's all, they're going to sit and they're going to be required to sit still in a class for an hour and a half sometimes. And it does not bother you one bit. Your heart isn't like, oh, my poor kid. He's just being forced against his will. You're like, yes, you're going to sit there, buddy, and you're going to learn. There is nothing more important than your child's spiritual life. Do you understand this? Nothing. Valedictorian, gold medal Olympian, it doesn't matter. Soccer star, baseball star, scholarships, get it all. And if they lose their soul, parents, you've lost everything. Everything. So you know what you do? You suck it up and go, all right, I know there's going to be conflict this morning, but we're going. Because this is right. And this is good. And there's going to come a day by the grace of God that your kid says, thank you, mom and dad, for not letting me roll over in my bed and say, I call the shots. I promise you. See, some of us have these child-centered homes. Let me tell you something. If you've got a child that's calling the shots in your home, 
you are headed toward disaster. How, many of you have heard the verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. I'll just quote it to you. It says, it says there's, uh, that, 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 that train up a child in the way he, she should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of you have heard this verse? Now, I've heard this verse all my life. I've heard it quoted over and over in sermons on families and to parents. And here's essentially what I heard. Mom and dad, if you'll just do the right thing, if you'll get your kids in church, if you'll teach them spiritual things, then when they're old, they won't depart from it. They will choose Jesus. That cannot possibly be what that verse means. It cannot mean that. Because there are far, I could walk through this room right now, I could talk to you, some of you young people and say, my parents raised me right. They weren't domineering. They weren't legalistic. They loved the Lord. They modeled things for me. And I spent years away from God. I walked away. I abandoned him. There are some people that will never come back to him, even though, even though they were raised in a good, godly home. That is not a promise to parents. It is a warning to child-centered parents. Here's what I mean. I have a good friend across town, a pastor, gracious, godly, wonderful man who I have no doubt, I'm sure he made his mistakes like I've made my mistakes. He, he raised his kids to know and follow Jesus and he just found his son who decided he didn't want to walk with God. He just found him dead in a lake a month ago having been murdered. I know this is extreme, but hear me. There's no God raised Adam and Eve and they walked away from him. Nobody did it better than God. It's a warning. And it's a warning that says this because the whole idea behind training there is, is, is in the Hebrew, the idea is this. Train a child according to their bent. That is, if you train a child according to their, the inclinations of their heart, and let them just do what they want and let them follow the, what the, their path and, you know, I get to sort of just have my way, then, then the Bible says I can virtually promise you that when they're old, they will not depart from that way. That's scary. That's what happens when you allow your child to call the shots. Now, parents, there's certain things that the Bible wants you to teach your children. And I gotta be quick here, but let me give you three things. It says these are rocks that if we're gonna affirmatively, proactively teach our children, then there's three things you need to teach your child. Okay, let, let me just give you just quick. Number, number one, that, that they would pursue wisdom more than anything else in their life. Hey, we looked in, in chapter two. I mean, man, go after it like silver. Make it like you're, you, it's more precious than jewels. This ought to be the greatest thing in your life is that you are pursuing wisdom. And then if you look at chapter 23, verse 23, we read it just a minute ago. It said, buy truth, don't sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. This is interesting. Buy it. Go invest in wisdom. Parents, you ought to have your children invest in wisdom. And I mean this literally. You, you ought to make them use some of their allowance money or whatever you do in your home to buy their own Bible. You ought to make them pay for part or all of their camp. You should. I've done this with my kids. My kids go to this academy called Worldview Academy every summer. It's not a cheap camp. It's absolutely changed their lives. Now hear me. They've, they've paid. I mean, you're going to pay for it. Start working now because it's an expensive camp. Get going. Buy wisdom. You invest in it. Parents, let them see you investing in wisdom. 
Let them see you financially invested, investing your time. You get up, you come to church, you get up, you volunteer, you serve. This is how they invest in wisdom. They're rubbing shoulders with people who are wise. He who walks with the wise are wise. Well, that takes an investment. That takes time. That takes resources sometimes for you to do that. Do it. There's nothing more important than that investment. Number two, money makes a terrible God. I'm not going to comment much on this other than say, I talked about this last week. But this is one of the rocks that the writer of Proverbs over and over is going to say to his son, to his daughter, do not chase after money. But mom and dad, they better be able to look at you and say, my mom and dad don't do it. There's something more important to them than money. There's something more important than riches. And mom and dad, when God does bless you financially, praise God. And I mean this literally. Like you get to go on that wonderful vacation. You get to live in that nice home. God's allowed you to buy that nice car, whatever it is. Then you make sure that your kid's praise doesn't terminate on an amount of money or a bank account or a vacation, that it moves past that all the way to the throne room of God where you say, thank you, Jesus. Kids, do you understand? We wouldn't have any of this if it weren't for God. How good he's been to us. And number three, I'm going to be careful how I say this, mom and dad, and I'll just say this briefly. The, teach them the beauty of personal purity and saving themselves for marriage. I'll let you unpack that one, but here's, listen. The writer of Proverbs is going to say this to his son over and over and over again. To the daughters, over and over and over again. It, he holds out for us. Just read chapter five sometime. He holds out for us a warning and at the same time he holds up for you this beautiful picture of personal purity and saving yourself from marriage. Teach them the value, the beauty, the wonder, the satisfaction of that within marriage. Because hear me, there is a direct correlation between physical unfaithfulness and spiritual unfaithfulness, between promiscuity and idolatry. I promise you, this is why the Bible's so concerned. It's not trying to be prudish and puritanical, at least how you think of puritanical. It's trying to help you understand that this leads down a path that will lead you towards destruction, lead you toward apostasy, let me, let me read to you just briefly this, this article that I came across by a guy named Derek Rishmawi who he went to a conference, Tim Keller, some of you know the name Tim Keller, was speaking on revival. And this guy stood up and said, I have a question. I want to ask you, why is it that we're not seeing revival in America? And listen to Keller's response. He says this about him. He says, drawing on his experience in urban culture-shaping Manhattan, Keller responded that one of the biggest obstacles to repentance for revival in the church is the basic fact that almost all singles outside the church and the majority inside the church are sleeping with each other. There are, a few, uh, there are a few of Christianity's teachings more offensive, unpalatable, and likely to drive people away from hearing the gospel than what it says about sleeping together. I'm going I'm to make this G-rated as much as I can, okay, Mom and Dad, but this is so important. Many college students and young adults don't want to turn to God, or at least not the kind of solid God you find in the gospel, because he has opinions on morality in this area that we find restrictive. So he goes on to say, Keller goes on to say basically that he had this associate who was a college, uh, uh, their college pastor, 
And when college students would come home, he would take them to coffee. So he'd grab a cup of coffee, catch up on life. When he'd come to the state of their spiritual lives, they'd often hem and haw, talking about the difficulties and doubts now that they've taken a little philosophy or maybe a science class or two, or in some cases, maybe a theology class. And how it all started to shake the foundations. At that point, he'd look at them and ask them one question. So who have you been sleeping with? Shocked, their faces would inevitably fall and say something along the lines of, how'd you know? Keller pointed out that it's a pretty easy bet that when you have a kid coming home with questions about evolution or philosophy or some such issue, the prior issue is a troubled conscience. This guy goes on to say, honestly, as a millennial and college director myself, I've seen it with a number of my friends and students. The, unsurprising, the, the Bible unsurprisingly starts to become a lot more doubtful for some of them once they've been physically unfaithful. Mom and Dad, you've got to teach this. You've got to help them grasp the beauty and the glory and the wonder and the awesomeness of God's plan, not the world's plan. But now listen, hear me. I'll say this quickly. How many, how many of us, would, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you like, man, I feel, I feel like a failure as a child. I feel like, man, I need wisdom as a parent. I haven't really done some of this stuff. Here's the wonderful promise of Scripture. The Bible says, I, you know, if, if I'm looking at myself as a father and say, I don't have this wisdom, then James 5 says, Chris, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. He'll give it generously without reproach. You ought to put that on your mirror. You ought to pray that every day. This ought to become one of those things that you go to God all the time. Chapter 1, verse, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 23 basically say that wisdom is standing in the streets. Wisdom is out there crying out. Wisdom is taking the initiative. And she's just saying, turn in here, man. You simple ones, you guys who, who don't want to listen. I, I, and, and, and I will change you. And it says, my spirit will come into you. What an amazing promise that God gives to his people. If you will turn, if you haven't yet turned, you can turn to Christ right now. His spirit will come into you and he will begin to transform your life. So I told you, this isn't just about moms and dads or children. It's about all of us. God promises wisdom for everyone who will ask. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you have promised wisdom. We thank you that you're not holding out on us. We thank you that you've taken the initiative, that you're not hiding wisdom off in some secret corner that's only available to the chosen few. God, you have said it's out here. It's available. Anyone can come. And I pray that would happen today. I pray those of us who know you would turn again away from our own foolish pride and we'd turn toward your wisdom. For those who have never made that decision, today would be the day that they would say yes to Jesus where they would they would put their faith, their hope, their trust. They would turn from their sin, turn into Jesus, and you would save them. We love you, God. We thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.